Hey, this is Dave Chris. I'm the pastor of We're One based out of Gateway Assembly, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We pray that this equips you and encourages you in your faith to see Jesus more clearly in your life. Let's hit it. today's uh, uh, breakout, my purpose is hard, and I just want to deal with a life of purpose, right? Um, I'm going to give you three things today as we jump into this. Um, these aren't like all inclusive, so there's certainly other things that can go into this list that signify a life of purpose, but there are three like key things that I feel like are crown level foundational to step into that purpose. With purpose, okay, and so the reason I ask you about, um, you know, about about this superhero thing is I feel like superheroes for us, there's something that draws us to them. You think about like Marvel movies and series, there's something about a superhero that that intrigues us, and for many of us, it is the the initiative that they stand for, whatever they're fighting for, fighting against. It, beyond their power, you think about it, you think about Marvel movies or whatever, like beyond their ability, it's their character that keeps you coming back for more. It's what they stand for. And I, I, I believe that's actually with purpose. People who have purpose are attractive. Um, people who are living a life connected to that purpose, walking it out, they're magnetic. You want to be around them. People want to learn from that. They want to grow from that. And you, your influence multiplies on the purpose, right? So, um, so here's what I want to do. I want to just kind of jump into this a little. Oh, all right. So here's the first thing you can write down. All right. A, a, a life marked by purpose is connected to its why. All right. A life marked by purpose is connected to its why. And um, let's just let's just flip the script on this for a minute. Who's your favorite superhero? Who's, like, in your opinion, the greatest superhero of all time. Who's the greatest superhero? Black Panther. Okay. Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man for sure. Who's the greatest superhero of all time? But we're just like slowly getting into this. Loki. Loki? Loki's not a superhero. Thor. 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 Yeah, I love Thor. Anybody else? Who's your favorite superhero all time? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Yeah. Okay, Wonder Woman's good. Yeah. Superman. Superman's so good. Wonder Woman, Superman. Oh, that's so good. Flash. Flash. Yes. Okay. Flash. Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, somebody knew how to do it, and it would be you. It would be you, Taylor. All right. So, so I'm gonna tell you my favorite superhero. My favorite superhero of all time is Iron Man. Iron Man. Oh, Iron Man. That's what you're saying online. Iron Man too. Yeah. Love Iron Man. So, so here's the here's why I love Iron Man. Okay, and it's just this is gonna roll back. Here's why I love Iron Man, because Iron Man is a normal dude, just like you and me, right? Other than the fact that he's, like, super smart and he's got, like, billions of dollars to work with, he's just a normal human being, right? But what makes Iron Man interesting, what makes his, if you've ever watched the Marvel movies, like, what makes his, his, his character so intriguing is the art of his life. 
Because Iron Man has a purpose and he's connected, deeply connected to it. You know, B Batman's another great example, like a normal dude doing stupid things. But with Batman, man, his like motivations are like vengeance and things like that, right? Retribution. With Iron Man, his motivation, if you ever track the story, his motivation is like the protection and defense of humanity. And he will stop at all costs to protect humanity, defend it against supernatural, you know, cosmic uh, threats such as Thanos, etc. And to that end, he was even spoiler alert, willing to give up his life for that purpose. And he goes in the beginning of the story. He goes from like this self-centered, egotistic, egotistical maniac to this self-giving, true hero, right? And that's why I personally I love Iron Man because he's just a normal dude who's deeply connected to his purpose. Okay? I, I give you that example because I think we can uh, kind of wrap our brains of, uh, around that. But bring this into the real world for a minute now. Real world heroes, some of the greatest heroes in the faith, like Mother Teresa, like Billy Graham, right? Jim Elliott, like these these guys were world changers because they were connected to a purpose and living that out. And we still tell their story today. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., like we still tell their story today because of the purpose that they live for was so much greater than, than themselves, right? They were anchored in it. And so this first point, a life of purpose is connected to its why. Let me just show you what, what um, Psalms 139.16, Psalm 139.16, David wrote this song. He says this, you, uh, you saw who you created to me before I even became me, before I ever seen the light of day, the number of my days you planned for me that were already recorded in your book. I want you just let that look that over again and let that sink in for a second. The creator of the universe designed you with incredible intention, great forethought going into you before a single day of your life existed. What that means is that your purpose predates your existence. Further on in this chapter, David even says that if I were to try to count the thoughts that you put into me, they would outnumber the grains of sand on our shores. Like God's intention for your life, his purpose, his design, uh, his purpose and design predates your physical existence in this world. That means that you and I have something to step into, something to connect with. So if you ever like Feeling like, man, I don't have, I don't have purpose. You're struggling with your identity. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm about. Like people, I don't know about my self worth. It's in the gutter right now. Like I want you to know that God's thoughts on you outnumber the grains of sand on Earth's shore, and His purpose for your life and His identity for you predate your existence here on Earth. So let's talk about connecting into, um, into that. There's three things that, that you need to do to connect into this purpose, to connect into your walk, okay? The first is this, identify, identify your passions. What has God put in you that, that you're passionate about? What, what thrills you is the question that this asks. So, you know, what is it that you absolutely love to do? 
And I'm not just talking like hobbies. This isn't about hobbies and interests. But what are the things, the big things in your life that you love doing? So like for me, what we're doing right now is something I'm super passionate about. Having these moments of teaching and leadership and development, this is something I'm super, super passionate about doing. Uh, so what is the thing that you dream of? Like just think about the life you're living now and the life you dream of living. If they don't, if they're not one and the same yet, what's it going to take to get you there? And um, what is that thing? That you, what is that thing? I mean, I'd love to hear from you, like some ideas, just some thoughts in your own life. What, yeah, what are you, what are you, what are you passionate about? So I, I really just have like, yeah, I can making this yeah, traveling, blessing people. Yeah, wherever you go. Yeah, yeah. What else? What are you super passionate about? Artistry. There's there's so much with artistry. Yeah. One day we're have a Christian rapper at that. Yeah, so talk about that. Not yet. Okay. So, what are the things that you're passionate about? Identify those things. Okay, maybe take notes from writing down. Yeah. Um, I play the violin. Yeah. I play violin pretty much all the time. Play violin? Yeah. I violin is old. And I now play piano. Beautiful. Okay. I love it. So here's what I want you guys to do. Take those passions that you're thinking about. Get them in your mind. Put them in a compartment. Okay? Because we're going to kind of work around all these things right now. So here's the next thing you need to ask yourself. What is your, what's your pain? What kills you? What is it in the world today that wrecks you? Okay, so maybe it's human trafficking. Um, maybe it's the fact uh, you know clean water crises around the world. Okay, what is it about the world, your world, your sphere, your school, your community, globally, whatever? What is it that pains your heart? So for me, here's here's what absolutely pains me. What pains me personally is when. A student flounders through high school never knowing who they are and what their purpose is. And they just they go to this peer group and they go to this vice and they go to this party and they go to this thing and they try this sport and they never really anchor and identify with who God's created. That pains me. Um, when, when, when we graduate, we're about to come into graduation. Can I tell you what happened? What goes through my mind, in the back of my mind as graduation? I'm listening to names called, and I just think to myself, and you know, names that I know, even students in the church, right, who they came, they're just that casual Christian, they never, and I'm like, there's so much potential in you if you would just anchor in this, right, and listen to that name called, and what goes through my mask, I can't raise a boss on it. I can't raise a boss on That painting, painting, teen suicide. Suicide in general, but teen suicide especially, we had just such a rough go away in our community. 
And, and when my, when, whenever my principal calls me up, my heart sinks for a minute because I don't know if he's calling to shoot degrees, he's calling to tell me that another student is taking their life. But I have this amazing relationship with our principal, and he calls me up whenever, calls me into the school, come pray with students, come meet with students, you know. But man, it breaks my heart because I know that that's like an identity and a self worth crisis the students that drove me to do that. And so that's, that's what pains me. So I'm passionate about teaching and education. Pain when students and young adults never connect to that, to that purpose. They, they flounder in their identity. So what is it for you? What is it that pains you to look at God? For me, I'm a good person, like, I don't know why I would like, try on time. Yeah, yeah, when people are hurt. Yeah, I think like, people are hurt or they're going through something. Like, she's just deeply moved with passion for mercy. Anybody else? I mean, you can share it. No pressure to share it. Addiction. It's because me with my friends. Yeah. Addiction. Is when people question religion, but then so Christianity, they're like, nope, yeah, and they refuse to look at it. Yeah, so religion and refusal to look at Christianity. I was I got a buddy who his his biggest thing is hypocrisy, hypocrisy in the church. And I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the church is full of all kinds of broken people, but hypocrisy exists. But when people are turned away by hypocrisy, that breaks it, crushes it. Um, that's like his personal thing. I saw Yeah. Yeah. People that struggle with their identity and then they struggle like yeah, that just breaks yeah. my heart. <laughs> so take the pain back in your heart so you got a passion back in your Okay. This next thing is proficiency. What are you good at? Like these are the things that what it asks the question, what fills you? And when we talk about proficiency, what we're looking at is like what are the things that when you're doing it, it just it it's, it it flows, it's easy, it doesn't feel like work. Um, what is your proficiency? Uh, you know the things that they produce the results that really matter to you when you're doing it, and, and there's fruit from it. Uh, the result of it is something that really fires you up. What do you like super proficient at? Okay, sure. Good deeds, helping people, feels you. What fills you? Other thoughts? Seeing broken lives changed. Yeah, I like the payout one, man. Yeah. Online saying helping others. Helping others yeah. online. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's so I, I get so much out of uh, just generous living yeah. taking care of other people. And in, in that with the churches, I mean, that's, this is a grassroots church is taking care of one another. We're actually going to look at that in a minute. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So for me, like my proficiency uh, is investing in, in student discipleship. So again, it comes back to this. It's my passion. It's also what I've become very good at. And um, and so for me now, I take my passion and my proficiency with those three things in a place where they intersect, we call it your sweet spot. It's a sweet spot. Um, 
It's this place if you identify it where you will find the most purpose in what you do. So you find a cause, find a ministry, or you, you start one that brings the best of these three things together. Now we can't always, you know, we can't always be in our sweet spot 100% of the time because things are going to pull us different directions. You're going to have different requirements on you. And, you know, your, your career may not match your ministry and you just got to learn to juggle those things. But if you can come to a place in your life where, you know, 70% of what you do is operating in that sweet spot, you're, you're going to set yourself up for productivity. You're going to set yourself up for uh, purpose. You're going to set yourself up for longevity. My pain for teen suicide, my pain for abortion, 
Um, my pain for some people, what were some of the other things that were said? Um, my pain for these cultural issues, my pain for human trafficking, my pain for uh, you know slavery, whatever it is, my pain for social injustice, whatever it is, it, my pain for it won't let me stop. So I don't care that I don't feel like it today, I can't stop. Can't. Um, Jesus was a great character example of this in scriptures. Um, Jesus, in John chapter 6, 38, says, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. John chapter 6, 38, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me. Jesus, his whole life was connected to the will of God, the purpose of God. Even as a young child who was in the temple, learning and growing and developing in that craft, right? He went to the cross. Why? Because he was passionate about humanity. He was pained by our depravity and that brought him to the cross to bring resolution for us, right? Jesus is really the best example of scripture. Um, so here's the result of that. You're gonna you're gonna live a life that is that will faithfully run this race. Uh, and fulfillment and fulfillment with longevity. Okay. That, that's key, right? This this life we live is not a sprint. Paul talks about it being a race, and that race is like a marathon, which means we need to set ourselves up for longevity um, to what God has called us to. So what good is it if you just flare up and burn out? Okay. You want to be able to go the distance. So uh, here's a focus question. You can write down what are your passions, what are your pains, what are your proficiencies, and then how do those things help you love God, love others, and serve the world better? Okay. Okay, so here's the second thing. You guys ready? I see fingers still going, so I'll make sure. A life marked by purpose is discipline. Okay, there are a lot of other things we could touch on, but I feel like this is so foundational to this to this today. It's discipline. Look what Hebrews uh, Hebrews has to say. Twelve eleven. For the moment, all discipline seems painful, painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who are trained by it. The key word here is training. See, I want you to I want you to get that discipline's not gonna happen overnight. You're not instantly disciplined, right? It takes training, it takes time. When the writer of Hebrews puts this word training in here, here's here, here, here it is. I'm gonna give you some Greek, okay? The word here is gymnasium. Well, what's that sound like? Gymnasium. This is where we get gymnasium, like gymnasium, training. It's an athletic term, and here it is straight out of the court. This is really wordy. But we're going to bring this in, okay? Listen, I, I don't feel like I could articulate this better than what the concordance says about it, okay? It presumes full discipline uh, necessary to be in top working condition, athletic terms, full agility, skill, endurance. This is gained only from constant, rigorous training or exercise. Gymnasio conveys acquired proficiency through practice. Regular exercise with graduated resistance, physical element, um, also includes the spiritual element of being God's gymnasium. 
Protestants are most of. So when the author of Hebrews writes this, discipline doesn't seem or is painful at the time, not rather than pleasant, right? What he's saying is, look, it's not going to be comfortable. How many do I got any like? Do you guys have any like those chairs? Okay. One and one and a half. Do I got any gym goers, gym buffs in the house? Okay. Oh, oh, all right. Yeah. So what's your max? Do you, have, do you know what your max is? I got to say Oh, yes, I humble. So here's the thing. We think about going to the gym, or we think about physical exercise, but this body don't exercise nearly enough. Uh, when you think about the gym, like what is gonna build muscle is repetition. Okay. It's not even about what's your max. You do it once. Ooh. But what's going to do it is actually lower weight have multiple repetitions, right? Over and over and over, intervals, intervals. And that's what he's saying here. Like, when we talk discipline, you're not going to get it right off the gate, but you just got to keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it, try and be better and be better and be better and be better. Increase the resistance, try harder, do more, be more rigorous, and draw more lines. And the more you're disciplined, the better it becomes. Yes. Do we have a? Okay. All right. So in, uh, here it is, gymnasium, if you want to write that down. Ways acquiring proficiency through practice. So here it is, check this out. One of my personal mentors, Jeannie Mayala, uh, she said this one time when we were talking, and she said the root word of discipline is disciple. The root word of discipline is disciple, and that's why you can't authenticate, one can't authenticate this without the other. If you don't know, a disciple, the definition of definition of disciple is learner, one who learns, it's a student. So if you have not disciplined yourself to be a good learner, how can you be a disciple? One cannot authentically exist without the other. You can't be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, without discipline. Be Illustrate it maybe a, another way. I need a, need a hand. I need a middle school. Yo, my oh man, little rapper. Yeah, come here. Come up here for a second. Hop up on this chair. What's your name, bud? Nicholas. Yes. Oh, no, stand up on it. Yeah, stand up on it. We're at church. We're at church. Perfect. How's that feel? It's good. You look good up here. Have you ever been this high before? No? Congratulations. It's good. All right, so here's what I want you to do, Nicholas. Turn around for me. Would you, would you, um, would you step from that chair? Your foot touched the ground. I don't know. Let's try it again. Here. No, 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 no. Don't jump to, oh, your foot touched the ground. Try it again. Oh. oh, man. Okay. All right. Head back to that chair for a second. I'm gonna help you out, okay? I'm gonna help you out. Here we go. Ready for this? Okay. Perfect. Okay. One more time. That's what I'm talking about. All right, you have to see for a second. <laughs> In his book, Habitudes for Self-Leadership, Dr. Tim Elmore says this. By the way, if you've never read these books, these are fantastic. The whole series is like 9 or 10 
opportunities for self-leadership. Habitudes are like images that form habits and, and characters within your life, right? So there's a whole volume of these. In his book, Habitudes for Self-Leadership, Tim O'Moore talks about discipline bridge. Discipline bridge. He says discipline is like the thing that gets you from where you are to where you want to be. From what you dream of to reality. Let me read an excerpt from the book. It says this, discipline is like those bridges that help me get to where I need to go in order to repair damage, perhaps damage caused by lack of discipline or poor character. In order to repair damage, I need to build a bridge of discipline to get me there. In fact, anytime I need to get somewhere difficult, discipline is usually the bridge that I must cross to get there. But here's what I know about discipline bridge. Though it takes time and effort to build it, but once the bridge is uh, in place, actually makes the journey easier. I can get back and forth with the good things that I can say. You see, like being in the gym or like crossing the bridge, there's a lot of work that goes into building discipline in your life. And you're not going to get it right the first time. You're going to struggle, you're going to walk, you're going to fail. But once you build this discipline for yourself, that area of your life gets easy. Back to safeguard. But here's, here's one step further, is that discipline is not meant to be compartmentalized within our life. It's not like, hey, I'm going to be disciplined in my speech, but what I do on social media is a different story. Right? Okay. I'm going to be disciplined in my public persona, but in my private life, that's open to interpretation. Right? It's not about compartmentalized discipline, it's about complete discipline. So one of the characters of discipline is integrity. Integrity means wholeness. If the integrity of something is sound, it means that it's whole, it's complete. Okay? So, in your life, building these disciplines requires complete wholeness. It's a prioritization of character. It's asking yourself, like, hey, you know, what are the what is the the, the education I need to get from where I am to where I dream of being? What is the, the, the character, the integrity, the honesty, the humility? What is it that I need to get from here to there? What are the academics that I need? Who are the connections that I need to get from where I am to where I dream? Chances are it's a form of discipline that you don't yet have. That's what you're right? If you want to step into purpose, you need to build the disciplines again. Right? Um, First Corinthians 9. 27. Actually, let me back up this verse and we'll come to first Corinthians. Proverbs 25, 28 says this like a conquered city with no walls, it's a man that has self-control. If you don't have discipline, if you are not self-controlled, the city's already besieged. Your life is already the walls are gone, and your heart is exposed, right? First Corinthians 9.27, Paul's writing, he says this, I discipline my body. He, when he says discipline, he literally, the, the context of this word discipline in Paul's writing right here is, is to beat his body. Like beat my body into submission, okay? So Paul says, I discipline my body to keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be 
disqualified. Paul's so passionate about the importance of the building a character and the repetition over and over and over. It's not about being good once, it's about being good consistently, right? It's not about living right in this moment, but living right in every moment, okay? It's this discipline, repetition, over and over. You put your mind, right? You take your cap, your thoughts captive, right? Rather than follow your heart, you guard your heart, okay? You take ownership of your life with great discipline so that you are the master of your emotions, not mastered by them. Um, there's a quote I heard, I didn't know who's originally said it, but your abilities will take you places that you care for them. Second Peter, Peter 1 5, um, says this also for this reason, giving all diligence add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. Virtue literally means excellence functioning from it. So virtue is a character of excellence that comes from So in order to live a life, what this is telling us. Is that we have to make this decision of the eternal excellence. Yeah. So so virtue, virtue is like like nobleness and excellence of character, right? So it kind of like summarizes like if you're a person with virtue, you have integrity, you have honor, you have this and right. So and 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 properly that word virtue. Means the excellent, like the simplest definition of virtue is excellence. So the excellence of every character. Um, again, another quote from my mentor. She, she, she made this statement one day, and it's so stuck with me. She said, Other men are This thing might be okay for some people. Holy Spirit's telling me it's not okay. Pastor Dave was talking about this last night. He was talking about like Holy Spirit checking in about season two or whatever, launching right to others may. I mean, that's a discipline. A great character example of this, we don't have time to really get into this, but a great, like a great character example of this, if you want to go read, is Samson. Samson is an incredible uh Example of a life undisciplined. Uh, if you want to see what happens to a life and how it falls apart that's not disciplined, go check out the story of Samson and Judges. I'm in chapter 13, 16. Um, Samson is an incredible example of a life. Uh, here's the thing Samson was set up to, to be used by God in such incredible, powerful ways. He was set apart, literally. We talk about being marked. Samson was marked by God uh, for incredible things. And while we accomplished many great feats, Samson continually sabotaged himself by his pursuit of foreign women, by the games he liked to play, uh, by taking his vow to the how, how close can I get without breaking this vow? He constantly gambled uh, with, with God and with his purpose. Uh, and it ultimately, it, it cost him uh, his life. Here's the crazy thing. If you go back and read this, I, I, I never noticed this until this past spring when I was studying this. 
But it says in multiple places in the, in the life of Samson that the Spirit of God came mightily on Samson. And, in, and every time the Spirit of God showed up mightily on Samson, it was when he was physically fighting the Philistines, when he was at battle with them. But when Samson, uh, if you know the story, Samson trapped 300 fox, and it was an act of retaliation for the murder of his wife, uh, Samson set those fox in the field. It doesn't say anything about the Holy Spirit being involved. Samson, at one point, was laying with a prostitute. They were set a trap for him, and he waited till the middle of the night, and then he took the, the city walls, and he ripped them up out of the foundation and ran off of the city gates. It doesn't say anything about the Spirit of God falling mightily on Samson in that moment. It's only when Samson is actually fighting the Philistine, the Spirit of God. And here's, here's, here's why I bring that up. Because I believe that oftentimes in Samson's life, he was manifesting great strength. The Spirit of God was not in that moment. The Spirit of God was not in that moment. And while Samson accomplished uh, and, and, and liberated, ultimately liberated Israel and Philistines in this period of time, I wonder sometimes how much more could get accomplished. Like the, to me, one of the most tragic statements in Samson's story is the last statement that Samson killed more Philistines in his death than in his life. But it seems like victory, yay, Israel's free. But why did it take Samson's death in order for the Philistines to See, Samson worked himself into a corner. It's lacking. And yeah, God responded. God gave him his strength back. But Samson had worked himself into such a corner that this was going to cost him his life to make this decision. And it was sacrificial. It was sacrificial. And at this moment, Samson learned the lesson of discipline. And he finally, oh, I don't trust his name. <laughs> he finally crossed this bridge. But if he had crossed this bridge earlier in life, it might not have cost him his life later on. Right? Discipline. All right. How many can you find time for my last one? Uh, here's a couple questions. If discipline is the bridge between what you desire and reality, what is it you desire to see? Where are you trying to go? What's it going to take to construct that bridge? Here's the last one. This ties in so well to this and so well to Pastor Dave's teaching last night, God's teaching this morning. I feel like in many ways we're just going to be here. It's so true. The last point of this session is this a life that's marked by purpose is empty and impressive. I said you may have come here and expected something different. I hope this content is, is, is connecting this morning. Um, I, I, to me, I so identify this as foundational. Um, if I'm going to be marked by purpose, that means my life has been set apart. It's been, it's been called by God, which means this vessel has purpose, and this vessel has to be prepared for that purpose, right? Um, so check this out. In, in 2 Timothy, it's going to come up on the screen. I'm going to try to keep up with this. But. So in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 20 through 22. I'm reading from, I don't know if you've ever heard of the voice translation, but the voice translation is uh, uh, 
of an artistic, expressive writing of the scriptures really digs into the the meanings, the abstract meanings within the original uh, text. So here, here's how it phrases it. Look in the mansions of the rich and powerful. You'll find everything from silver uh, and gold serving bowls to wooden containers and clay jars. Some are used for special occasions where honor is important and others are used for mundane tasks. Uh, so tell them if they will clean up their lives and purify themselves from dishonorable teachings that lead people astray, um, then they can become honorable vessels, consecrated and useful to the master, made ready for every good work that he has in store. Timothy, run away from youthful desires instead direct your passion toward chasing after righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace, along with those um, who call upon the Lord with pure hearts. This is, I mean, this, this right here, this is an, an admonishment from Paul to a teen pastor of a multi-site church. This is how you live and lead well. Clean the vessel. Clean the vessel. Um, I think oftentimes, like this is what this is what happens, right? This is you, the vessel, right? And we've got like a lot of things that matter to us, like relationships, social media. Yeah. So here's the thing. We got these things. And so so for you, you know, like it might be like, God, I love you. My life is for you. You know, sports. Sports is good. Love sports. Right? Uh, you know, got my, my social streaks, snap, snap streaks, things like that, social media, right? My relationships, dating relationships. What are some other things? What's some other things that we fill our life with? Social media. Social media, what else do you feel I like that are important to us? Priorities. Friends. Friends. Popularity. Popularity, fame, image, right? Image. Clothes. Right? Netflix. So we fill our life with all kinds of things. God's in there somewhere. So here we come to places like conference and church and come to the altar where the like, Holy Spirit fills me And uh, I want more of God's like, I would love to fill you up. We gotta empty this vessel first. Just empty this vessel. Let's just let's work on that Netflix thing. Let's work on that social media thing. Like let's work on that image thing. You know, let's work on those relationships. Let's get this vessel empty. And once it's empty, Let's clean it, right? Now, now, and so, man, I can't tell you how many times, like, in my own life, I've gone to the altar, and I've just been like, well, God, I need you. I God, I want you. I, I want more of you. I want you to manifest, you know, your gifts within me. God's, I, and I, the, the response I get is, yeah, cool, Jeff. I would love to do those things. Can we deal with this habit? Can we deal with this attitude? 
Well, I just want more of you. I think if I have more of you, those things will eradicate. No, 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 no. Get that out of your life. Make the vessel clean. Give me space to work. And your capacity then grows to be poured out. If, 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 if your life is full, you're just trying to squeeze God into the cracks and get him out to I feel like this truth really speaks for itself. You know, last night in his message, Pastor Dave said, sin is separation from God, and holiness is separation for God. That's, that's this right here. It's the message of this, this message. What's filling this could potentially be separating you from God. It's calling you to be holy. That's all. You might be here, like, looking at this illustration for yourself, where it's broken. It's the other part of this vessel, right? It's broken vessels. I remember there was a season in my life where I felt like I was so broken, I couldn't even use it. There was, like, and not just like I couldn't be used in the moment, but like, God, there's no repairing this. I'm just going to be broken. I don't know how you're ever going to use it again. Um, there was a season in my life, I'm just be transparent with you. Um, it was a season in my life where my my wife uh, walked out and she was like, I'm done. I'm done with this church thing. I'm done with this pastor life of living. I'm done with this family. She started cheating on me with my best friend. It was crazy. And it it, it, it just wrecked me like it crushed me. The vessel was broke. I had, I had, there was no way I could contain me. It's just leaking out all over the place. And it was a, a very long season, about a year and a half of this. Um, ultimately, it, it ended in divorce. Um, and I just remember, like, God, I don't know how I could ever use it again. And it, it, it was just a moment of time. And, and God placed a verse on my heart, and that was Isaiah 61.3. It says, for those who mourn, um, God will bring beauty for ashes. Then he says, You'll be called mighty oaks, planting the book of this plant. In other words, God will do such a transformative work in your life. The life will grow and blossom, and everyone will look at that tree, your life, and the only explanation is that God did it. Right? It's cool. When God takes broken vessels, he may rebuild you, he may reshape you, he may even leave you broken in that, in that, in that new shape, that new state of your heart, and give you purpose in that state. Um, brokenness is a beautiful thing. Matter of fact, David knew this so well. In Psalm 51, 17, a familiar passage, David writes this, he says, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit. Broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. Broken and contrite heart, you will not despise. And, like, let me just give you some context. When David pens this, Psalm 51, it's right after Nathan the prophet has called him on his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. And David is absolutely crushed. And when he says broken, that word broken means shattered. Contrite means ground to a pulp. 
David came, here's why David was a man after God's own heart. It wasn't because he always had it right. It wasn't because the vessel was always clean and always empty. It was because David always acknowledged his sin and emptied the vessel. Whenever things got in, David said, oh, that doesn't belong, that doesn't belong, that doesn't belong, that doesn't belong. God, I'm sorry, I repent from that. I'll never do it again. Give me strength. Crushed by the world. When was the last time you were crushed by your sin? Like, not just like, oh man, shoot, my bad. But like, when was the last time you wept over your sin? This is the heart of David. Like, he was crushed by what he had done. He vowed with great repentance to empty and clean the vessel. And God responded to that. So here's kind of where I wrap this up. Um, when our lives are empty, we become we become a vessel that they pour into and pour out of. We become under the presence of the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. You want to see great news within your church body, within your sphere, within your friends, within your school, within your community? Great news within your life. It starts by cleaning the vessel. Starts by cleaning the vessel. So, uh, you know, the question to you right now for yourself what's occupying the vessel of my life and doesn't belong? So, just in a life that's been marked by purpose and one connected to its why, God gave you design me to be. And I can seek that out. A life that's marked by purposes, self-discipline, training yourself over and over. You screw up, just get back to life. Try to get back out of it. Some accountability, some encouragement. And it's a vessel that's empty. Any questions I've got? Look at that. I did it in a minute. Yeah. Plus, I left a couple minutes for any questions. So, uh, any, any anything you need further elaboration on, or agree, disagree, Christ and all that? Yeah, yeah, we went to the same Global family, anything? Uh, so good. Wow. Man, that love to them <laughs> for sure. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, we got we got global So good. Well, can I do this? Can I can I pray for you before we Kind of roll into what's next. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it's uh, so it's, it's G Y M. Ready? G Y M. N A. C O. 
and there's like a little squiggly over the A. I was going to say some of the work so when you talk about being a former professor, yeah. Um, there's uh, so the Dead Sea, the Sea of it's it's basically good job. That was tough. <laughs> uh, full disclosure, I said that and I didn't know what the sound. <laughs> so I was just saying that you know, how we have our festival and how we have to be able to put our economy in the back of the videos and everyone's recording the music and the Dead Sea is also an example of that. It's literally, it's literally uh, it's like a river that flows into it, but nothing ever flows out from it. And therefore, it's actually wet. It's so yeah. salty that there's nothing to do with it. Yeah. And so, I heard a passage of each like that. That's an awesome example. She rated it exactly what you're talking about. So, even if God is more blessings to us, yes. if we're not able to like, share those out, then What's happening now is so good. So good. Love that. That's 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 good. Sorry, I when you're sharing about like broken vices and everything as well, I had this thought. I heard about this this term years ago. Yeah. It's called uh Kusugi, and it's a Japanese art of building repair. And it's basically like they take broken pottery and they mix it with like this um Golden powder or silver, and they repair um, broken pottery that, that people bring in. Yeah. And it's almost worth more yeah. because it has been broken. So it just reminds me of that that, like, even if like, you feel like because you've been shattered and broken, the Lord is still repairing you, and you are seen as even worth more because of that golden repair, it brings more value to your life. So then people notice it more. Spirit, 
was not given to us to make us spiritual, but to make us holy. We know this to be true, God. And so I pray that it would be the ambition of our life, God, to please you, to honor you, to love you, to love others, to serve the world greater, Lord God. Lord, help us, God, to keep the vessel of our life to, to identify the priorities within us and do these things more long. God, show us through your spirit. Convict us where we need to do some house cleaning so that our vessel, Lord, cannot can, can be compromised, Father God. Our vessel can be used for the purpose that you intended it to be. Thank you. Praise you. We thank you, Lord, that you are a masterful creator. You are loving and patient, Lord, and so even when our life is broken, it's not broken, it's not prepared, Father God, and you smile upon our brokenness. Lord, you, you treat us with compassion and mercy. God, and you take that brokenness and build that life into something beautiful. Because we are broken, Lord, just because we are broken does not mean we've lost our purpose, and I pray that somebody hearing that right now, Lord, would recognize that you Love them, God. I built them. But they have a future. They have a future that is secure. Jesus, holy, precious name. Hey guys, thanks for giving me the time.